Oh, boy. I got to tell you, what a week it's been. I mean, way behind. I shouldn't say I'm way behind because, you know, with the MLB playoffs now starting, that's the podcast that I put out on two. I want to say it was was it Tuesday or Wednesday. No, it had to be Tuesday. Yeah. So, you know, that podcast came out on Tuesday. I pushed back the NFL recap for week four, but I was going to do What's today? What's today? Thursday is today. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to combine the recap from last week and the predictions for Thursday Night Football tonight and the week's predictions. So this will be the podcast that takes over for Friday because we're so close. I figured you might as well just do it anyway. It's not a big deal. Um, I'm not going to go into the games, really. I'm just going to give you the scores and what my record was for Pick'em last week. And then we'll go over my Pick'em for this week. And, you know, just basically what we do on Fridays, except on Thursday. And then what we do on Tuesdays, except on Thursday as well. But this what this past week, I went 12-4 and four in Pick'em. And my record is now a sparkling 42-22 and 22 on the season. I love it so far. I, I didn't think I'd be this okay throughout the first four weeks. But, you know, it could always go downhill. But, uh, you know, just going down the scores of week four, we can go into it right now. Bengals, as we talked about last week, the Bengals beat the Jaguars 24-21. to The Jets finally won a football game. I couldn't have been more happy about that. I mean, Sunday was a great day for me. The Jets won in overtime. They beat a playoff team in the Titans. And then the Yankees walked off against the Rays and made it into the playoffs. But now we all know how that worked out. Didn't work out too well, but that's okay. I didn't expect them to go too far. Uh, the Washington fo- I did stick with the Washington football team in my pick. I, I, If you guys remember, I was flip-flopping back and forth. I wasn't too sure. And I almost lost that game because Washington did beat the Falcons on a last-minute touchdown, 34-30. to The Bills absolutely hammered the Texans 40-0. to the Bears beat the Lions 24-14. The Cowboys beat the Panthers 36-28, and that's a lot closer of a score than the game really was. The Colts, which was one of my upset picks of the week, the Colts beat the Dolphins 27-17. The Browns beat the Vikings 14-7 in a big snooze fest. The Giants surprised the Saints 27-21 in overtime. The Chiefs handled the Eagles 42-30. The Cardinals beat the brakes off of the Los Angeles Rams 37 to 20. The Seahawks eke out a 21 to 20, excuse me, a 28 to 21 victory over the 49ers. The Ravens soundly beat the Broncos 23 to 7. The Packers handled the Steelers 27-17. The Bucks beat the Patriots 19 to 17. And then the Chargers beat the Raiders 28 to 14. So 12 and 4 is my best week to date. Uh, I've been getting back. I, I think I, what was it? I think I remember them week by week. I was 10 and six week one, nine and seven week two, 11 and five in week three, and then 12 and four in week four. So I'm hoping to go like 13 and three, like 14. So I would just love a 16 and 0 week though. One of these, one of these weeks, that's all I'm asking for is just one 16 and 0 week. That would be really cool. But moving over to what I think is going to go down first off tonight, probably the best Thursday night football game we will be able to see this entire year between the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. And 
Uh, I went with the Los Angeles Rams here. Everyone knows that listens to this podcast or watches my YouTube channel knows that I'm in love with the Los Angeles Rams. I think that top and bottom, they have probably the top three talented roster in the entire NFL. The Los Angeles Rams are coming off of a pretty bad loss to a division rival in the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and I think they're going to come and then they're going to come hard at the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are sitting at two and two after a shaky victory against Seattle, um, San Francisco, excuse me. And I just this nothing about the Seattle Seahawks this year looks really too convincing. It's unfortunate, but it's true. I mean, if it wasn't for Russ, the Seattle Seahawks would be 0 and 4 and probably looking to a top five pick if it wasn't for him. But he really is that good. I expect him to make this game competitive. It has shootout potential. I'm hoping for a shootout as in one of my big money leagues, I have Matthew Stafford and Tyler Lockett on the same team. So I'm hoping for, you know, a a nice like 37, 34 game, something with a lot of scoring. Would love to see that. But I'm going to go with Los Angeles because just I this team has looked so dead so far this year. And Russell Wilson has had to, I mean, fight tooth and nail to even get a mediocre performance out of the Seattle Seahawks. I don't think, I don't know who is home. Let me see if it says it here. Um, yeah, I don't know who's home in this game, but I don't really think it matters regardless. I think that the Los Angeles Rams are far and away better. Uh, Chris Carson is most likely trending towards not playing, which means Alex Collins is going to take over as the lead back. So that kind of neutralizes a little bit of a strong suit of the Seattle Seahawks, and that's running the football, and especially because the Los Angeles Rams gave up 4.6 yards per carry, which is huge. So if I know it's a small sample size, it's only four weeks, but 4.6 yards per carry is a a huge number to be giving up. So I was expecting Chris Carson to have a lot of volume. He was going to be running the the ball down the Rams' throat, and they were going to be working off play action. But now that, that game plan is kind of is kind of shifted. I mean, Alex Collins is more than capable of handling the ball 20 plus times, but he doesn't have the explosiveness and the speed that Chris Carson does. Uh, I I don't even know who, who who's their other backup. Is it DJ Dallas? Is he, is he healthy? It doesn't really matter to me. I, I think that losing Chris Carson was the nail in the coffin for this game. I'm going to go with the Rams just because also you, you got to figure that they're going to try and bounce back as hard as possible. When you go from one division rival to the other, these divisional games mean so much more. You can't lose two divisional games back to back to your two biggest rivals, essentially. So I'm going to say that the Rams go all out in this game. They break out all the stops. I'm going to see a lot of blitzing. Sean McVay is going to go deep into the playbook. He's going to you know really try and confuse the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I don't give score predictions. So I, I'm just hoping for a shootout in this game. And then we go to the Sunday slate of games. And, you know, I'm 0-3 with the Jets this year because I picked them in week one to win, obviously, because they were going against Sam Darnold. Uh, I picked them in week two to win because I, I just had an epiphany that the that the Jets were going to beat the, the New England Patriots. I was dead wrong. And then the one week I really want to take them where I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, uh, oh, wait, no, sorry, I'm missing a week, excuse me. Uh, what was it? Yeah, against Denver, I knew that they were... Um, um, no, I'm 1-3 in three against the Jets this year because I didn't pick them against Denver, and then I won that one because they didn't score a damn point. And then I went on this absolute tangent last episode 
Um, I just went on an absolute rant for about five minutes on why I just wanted to see Zach Wilson and the Jets score one or two offensive touchdowns. And they did more than that. And they looked like an actually sound football team. They scored 27 points. Zach Wilson put easily his best performance in. It was a near flawless performance. If it wasn't for Corey Davis slipping on an out route and just falling down completely and letting the ball float right to the defensive back, he would have been, he probably would have had 300 passing yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, but he put in a great performance. He made uh, some throws that were, I mean, unbelievable. He had a 52-yard, I think it was 52 yards, 52-yard touchdown completion to Corey Davis. He had a 54-yard completion to Keelan Cole. And then in overtime, probably the most underrated pass, he floated one to the sideline. I think it was for Cole as well, uh, for Keelan Cole. It was a tremendous pass. He floated it up there and dropped it right into the bucket. He looked fantastic. I think that's the best performance I know I'm going to sound so biased, but I think that that was the best performance from a rookie quarterback that we've seen so far this year, just in general. Uh, He was making all the big throws, and he really showed why he should be and is the number two overall pick. And it was just a really exciting performance. And, And granted, like Tennessee on offense was depleted. They didn't have Julio Jones. They didn't have A.J. Brown. They lost Ben Jones for a little bit, their starting center in the in the first half of the game. But they played great defense, too. They sacked Ryan Tannehill seven times. I mean, they contained Derrick Henry as much as they possibly could. He didn't really start breaking big runs until the fourth quarter overtime because the, the defense was absolutely gassed. You know, they, they did what they needed to do to win. They, they play competitive football, and they still, their cornerbacks, their secondary still hasn't allowed a touchdown to opposing wide receivers yet this year. They are the only team in the NFL that has not allowed an opposing wide receiver to score against them. So again, extremely encouraging up until this point. Um, and I'm going to go with them this week. They're, they're playing the early game. They're playing 930 here because they're playing in London, England. So they're playing 930. It's the early game on Sunday. I love, I wish that we could have a London game every single week because imagine watching football from 930 in the morning until like basically 11, 1130 at night because of the Sunday night football game. Like that is just heaven. I really, I really hope that one day we could have just a full 17 game slate in, in London, just a, just two teams go out there every week. I know it's a problem with travel and everything, but I think it would be great. I'm going to go with them this week because they're playing another piss poor secondary in the Atlanta Falcons. Um, The Atlanta Falcons kind of sort of remind me a little bit of the Tennessee Titans, except with no run game. I mean, their receivers, like if, if you could lock up Calvin Ridley, they don't really have a whole, a whole lot more other than that. They have Russell Gage, they have Kyle Pitts in the middle of the field, but the Jets have, have held tight ends pretty soundly so far this year. CJ Mosley is playing at another level so far throughout this year. Uh, when it comes to coverage, when it comes to tackling, he's all over the field. And then the the X factor for the Jets defense is Quincy Will- Williams, Quinton Williams' brother. He has been fantastic throughout the first four games of the year. They got him for nothing. The Jacksonville Jaguars cut him. Everyone forgets. I'm pretty sure he was a third round pick a couple years ago. Everyone forgets that. Um, you know, that does mean something. I mean, it doesn't, but it does at the same time. But Quincy Williams was playing out of his mind. I expect him to carry it over. I really think the Jets are going to build on this performance. I think they're going to leave London two and three. I'm going with the Jets. And just to tell you, I'm going to start telling you the percentages of the picks, just so you know if my pick is an underdog considered by Pick'em or it's a favorite. Um, The New York Jets have been picked by 19% of people that play Pick'em. So that's a massive underdog so far. And then moving on to the next game. Tough game, honestly. I, I don't... 
I don't necessarily love this matchup for Green Bay, but Aaron Rodgers is playing some really hot football right now. It's clear that just week one was an absolute fluke. He has been on the top of his game since that terrible performance, and they're playing a very game Cincinnati Bengals team. But I can't go against Aaron Rodgers when he's playing this hot. Obviously, he's going to find a way to win. Obviously, he's going to find a way to carve up any defense that he goes up against, doesn't matter how good or how bad. But I'm going to give the Bengals a fighting chance. I'm going to say that this is a very close game. But I could see this being a game that the Green Bay Packers um, under prepare for and then them wind up ending up coming back. Like I could see the Bengals taking like a 21 to 7 lead at one point in this game. And then the Packers having to scratch and claw their way back into the game. And I could see Aaron Rodgers going on like a game winning drive. But like, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are here and I think they're kind of here to stay for the whole season. I I think they've proved that they can hang with pretty much anyone. And I think that they're going to hang well with Green Bay this week. I just think that Green Bay is going to pull it out in the end. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers too hot right now. Devontae Adams is playing at the top of his game. Aaron Jones is playing well. The defense is playing pretty good. Eric Stokes is looking like a stud of a first round pick. They just signed Jalen Smith. So they get some much needed youth and athleticism in the middle of their defense. Like Jalen Smith is one of the most athletic linebackers in the the NFL. I was going to say MLB and then I was going to say NBA. So I don't know what was going on there, but he is one of the most athletic linebackers in the NFL. He got cut by Dallas. And the only reason I could think of that is because of how well Micah Parsons is producing throughout the first four games of his career and how well Leighton Van Der Esk is playing so far as well this year. But Leighton Van Der Esk is injury prone. I don't know. I would have kept him around. I guess for that money, though, it didn't really make sense as both of those other guys are still in their rookie contracts. But nevertheless, the Green Bay Packers, I feel like, will pull out this game. I could, Like I said, I could definitely see it being a one-score game. I would check the spread very carefully on this game. But 86% of people did pick the Green Bay Packers to beat the Cincinnati Bengals this week. Then moving on to the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions. And after praising the Minnesota Vikings being one of the most complete teams offensively in week three, that's how bad they looked in week four. They looked terrible in week four. They only scored seven points. Granted, the Cleveland Browns have a very good defense, but Cleveland didn't play well either. 14 to seven, you think, oh, two touchdowns. It wasn't even that. Both teams just scored one touchdown. I don't even know how they, how did they get, oh, they, they, the Vikings went up seven, nothing. And then the Cleveland Browns scored and then went for two. So it was eight, seven and then 11, seven and then 14, seven. So the most pretty, pretty much unconventional way that you can get to 14 points other than scoring two touchdowns. But yeah, I, I don't know what to think. I mean, for as good as they looked in week weeks one to three, that's how bad they looked in week four. But I, I expect them. There's really not much here. I expect them to bounce back against Detroit as well as Detroit played as well in the first three games of the year. That's how bad they played against Chicago. They had numerous mess-ups. I mean, that that beautiful fumble right to the defender was awesome. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please check that out. Jared Goff was not ready for the snap. It bounced right off his shoulder pad, right to a defender. It was fabulous. Uh, a typical Lions play, typical Jared Goff play, but not much to it. 92% of pick players picked the Minnesota Vikings, and I'm going that way too. I expect Kirk Cousins to bounce back against this really bad secondary. I could see Kirk Cousins winning the FedEx Air Player of the Week. He, he might go for like 350 and three touchdowns. I could easily see it happening. 
And then, of course, we're looking at the Denver Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'll tell you what, interesting matchup. I didn't really know. I mean, Denver Broncos 3-1, and one, Pittsburgh Steelers 1-3. and three. Tough matchup because both defenses are pretty good. I, I went with the Broncos, and I'm very reluctant to go with the Broncos as well. This is going to be one of those scenarios like last week with the Atlanta Falcons and the Washington football team. I'm going to go down to the wire with this pick. I'm not really sure, and neither is Pickham, 51% Denver Broncos, 49% Pittsburgh Steelers, because this just seems like a very Pittsburgh Steelers win. Like, I, I do feel like after looking really bad, after what, they, they beat the Bills in week one. They've just, they've lost three straight. They haven't looked good. But then again, the Denver Broncos are a false three and one. We finally saw them get exposed and punched in the mouth last week after Lamar Jackson and the Broncos defense. Pretty, I mean, granted, they lost Teddy Bridgewater early on, and then Drew Locke came in, and well, y'all know how that happens when Drew Locke comes in. But I don't know. This game is too close to call, in my opinion, because you got a virtually anemic offense in Denver. Like, if they're not running the ball well, they're also not passing it because Teddy Bridgewater is a good passer. He's not a great passer. So if you pressure him... He's not going to get good passes off. And then you get Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers who are playing bad football. Their run game is terrible. Their pass game is bad. Like Chase Claypool has a, a slow start. Najee Harris, I'm pretty sure, has more receiving yards than rushing yards this season. Just not good. Not good all around. So I will let you guys know on the Tuesday episode if I change my mind. But... I think now that I kind of talked myself into how bad the Pittsburgh Steelers have looked this year, I'm going to stay with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I'm going to stay with the Denver Broncos, uh, but I will keep you posted otherwise. Moving on to the next game, pretty easy. Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins' strength so far this year has been running the ball, has been passing the ball off the run. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have given up like negative 10 rushing yards throughout the entire season so far. No one can run against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's so funny how their defense is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because like they have the most elite run defense I've seen since like the 2010 Pittsburgh Steelers. And their passing game, their passing defense is atrocious, terrible. They're like dead last in the NFL, but their running game is spectacular. They held the New England Patriots to net negative one rushing yards last year, the first team since 1970 to finish a game with negative net rush yards. So that's something to hang your hat on. And the Miami Dolphins have looked like an absolute disaster. They went up against a decent defense in the the Indianapolis Colts last week. So now they're going up against a better defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if they can't run, they're not going to be able to pass. If Jacoby Brissett is still playing, it's going to be a disaster for the Dolphins. I could see this being a big blowout. I could even see the Dolphins getting shut out in this game because they don't pass the ball well. And like I said, they pass the ball off the run. So if you're not running and all you're doing is passing, not good for them. But Tampa Bay is in the swing of things. They're 3-1. and one. I fully expect them to be 4-1 uh, and one after this game. And, I mean, so does everyone else because 98% of pick'em players picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game. Moving on, another interesting one, and two teams that have frustrated me beyond belief throughout this season is the, is the New Orleans Saints and the Washington football team. Uh, the Saints are 2-2, two and two, and the two times that I picked them to lose, they won, and the two times I picked them to win, they lost. So 
I'm done with the the, the New York the New Orleans Saints. I think they're the only team this season that I I haven't won a single game with. But anyway, that doesn't mean anything. Two two and two teams that have disappointed a little bit so far. The Washington football team's defense is just looking very porous so far. And it, it hurts me because that is one of the things that I preach throughout the season, especially even with fantasy football. I was like, listen, if the Washington football team's defense is out there, go get it. They're going to be sack machines. They're going to intercept the ball a ton. You know, they got William Jackson to shore up that secondary that much more. They're going to be amazing. They got athletic linebackers all over the place. Jamin Davis was a huge, you know, addition in the draft. I was talking them up nonstop. And then, you know, it, their defense has been their weakest link easily. Taylor Heineke is playing some pretty good football. He carved up the Atlanta Falcons secondary. That's not really saying much. That's like saying I carved up a Christmas ham. I mean, it's not really, you know, much not really something to brag about, but anyway, he's playing good football. Antonio Gibson is starting to get the wheels turning um, behind the line of scrimmage. He's starting to look like, okay, rushing the ball. So that's good. Um, you know, the new Orleans saints, you don't know what you're going to get from that team. One week, it could be a five touchdown performance by Jameis. And then the next, it could be two interceptions and Alvin Kamara doesn't even get a single target. And yeah, Alvin, Kam- Alvin Kamara, in week four against the Giants, did not get a single target in the pass game, something to cause concern. I'm not going to toot my own horn because I just tried to toot my own horn with the Washington football defense, and that has been epic failure so far, but I said that Alvin Kamara was going to get overdrafted in pretty much every single league because most of his success has come off of Drew Brees not being able to throw the ball for the last four years of his career. When you get a guy like Jameis, who is has a big arm, likes to throw the ball down the field, and you also don't have any weapons in the receiving game right now. Michael Thomas is basically your only weapon, and he's injured, and there's no guarantee he comes back. And then you got Deontay Harris and Marquez Callaway as your other two options. Not good. They should have went out and got a receiver for this guy. It, it's definitely coming up. It's becoming apparent that like they need a downfield threat because they got away with it with the first couple of games of the year. Now they're not going to be able to get in away with it because they're just stacking the box and they're stopping Alvin Kamara for the most part. And then if they're not stopping Alvin Kamara, they're sacking Jameis Winston because they're, they're stacking the box with eight defenders and they're begging you to throw the ball over their head. So I don't really know how this is going to go. It could either be a shootout or it could be a dead football game. It could be like 41, 38, or it could be 17, 10, you know, I don't know how it's going to go, but I did pick the Washington football team. I think that they're gonna. They have been performing more consistently lately than the New Orleans Saints. So I'm gonna go with the more consistent football team. And 42% of Pick'em players agree with me. Uh, I'm going to go with the Washington football team in this matchup. Then scrolling down one more to um, an in- a, a very intriguing matchup. Sammy D and the three and one Carolina Panthers go to. I don't know if they're going to Philadelphia. Don't quote me on that. Uh, they are playing the Philadelphia Eagles, who are sitting at one and three, but have looked pretty decent throughout four weeks. I will say they hung around for a long time with the Kansas City Chiefs, which I don't think they punted the ball once either. I don't think there was a punt in that entire football game, which is pretty good. That doesn't happen too often. Forty-two to a forty-two to thirty score will probably get you no punts, though. Now that I think about it, but I am going to go with Carolina in this game because. I, you know, you just can't go against Sam Darnold right now. I mean, yes, 
They did lose to the Cowboys, but Sam Darnold played pretty well. He had a couple passing touchdowns. He had a couple rushing touchdowns. He has been a menace on the ground. He's got five rushing touchdowns through four games. And if you told me at the beginning of the year that Sam Darnold had five touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns for the entire season, I would have said, okay, I can kind of see that because he did have, I think he had like three rushing touchdowns last year for the Jets. So like I could see them using, he's pretty athletic for a big dude. He's like 6'4", like 225 pounds. I could see them using his his sneaky athleticism at the line of scrimmage more. No, but if you told me that he had five rushing touchdowns through four games, I'd be like, what the hell are they running over there in, in Carolina? But Sam Darnold has been playing some, obviously the best football of his career up until this point. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles defense looks hapless, and especially if they can get Christian McCaffrey back for this game. It's game, set, and match. The the Philadelphia Eagles run defense has been horrible throughout this year. Uh, And you get McCaffrey back, he could run the ball a ton. And then you could just, you could pass off the run. And that's exactly what Dallas did. And I think that's the best game plan against the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Exactly what we saw two weeks ago on Monday Night Football between the Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. That's exactly the perfect formula to beat them. So I'm going to say, and plus Carolina just got Stefan Gilmore and that doesn't mean anything for this game because he's still on IR, I believe, or he's on the PUP list. I think he's on the PUP uh, list. So he's on the PUP list. Once he comes back, he'll be an integral part of that defense. They got him for just a sixth round pick and they've done some savvy business in the last couple of weeks. They made two trades. They traded Dan Arnold and a third round pick to Jacksonville to get CJ Henderson, the first rounder from last year and a sixth round pick. He wanted out. They basically gave up not too much to get him. A first-round talent for a third-round pick and a a backup tight end, essentially, is great business. And then you trade a sixth-round pick to get an all-pro cornerback. This has all the makings of two moves that could propel the Carolina Panthers to the playoffs this year because their defense has been playing great so far. I mean, they gave up 36 points to the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are playing some absolutely insane offensive football right now. So you take it with a grain of salt. Their defense has been playing really well so far this season. Uh, I don't see them having a problem against Philadelphia. As long as they could force Jalen Hurts into pressure and they can make him make mistakes, they should have no problem. And 87% of pick players agree with me that the Carolina Panthers will win. Then moving on down to the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. All I'm going to say, this is super easy. Urban Meyer sucks. And 93% of pick'em players agree with me that the Tennessee Titans will win. Just give the ball to Derrick Henry. If A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are not back, just let him brush the ball like 50 times. He'll probably have 400 rushing yards. It just, just, let, him, just let him run all over the place at this point. I, he has so many totes. I have to look and see. I'm going to look right now and see how many rushing yards he has, uh, how many rush attempts he has through four games. It's got to be, it, it's got to be well over a hundred already at this point. Oh, uh, let's see the Titans. Bear with me for one moment, please. Oh my God. He's got 130. First off, the numbers on Derrick Henry are shameful so far. Jesus Christ. Shameful in a good way. 113 attempts, 510 yards. Four touchdowns, four and a half yards per tote. And the guy is still only 27. Good God. Yeah, so just let him run the ball. 
Uh, I'm going Tennessee, obviously. Uh, I, I really don't want to get into I'm, I was going to make a video about it once Urban Meyer eventually gets fired. I was going to compile all the clips that I have of my YouTube videos, and I was just going to make it into one montage of me saying that hiring Urban Meyer was going to be an awful decision. I never do I told you so's, but this is one thing where I will gladly make an exception. If you've listened to my my episodes before, you've listened to a YouTube video once in a while, you know that I despise Urban Meyer. I think that he is a terrible coach. I think that he treats the NFL like it's college and it's worlds apart. I mean, even who is talking about it? Was it ESPN? No, it was Colin Cowherd. And I do not. Yeah. So ESPN. I do not like Colin Cowherd at all. And he brought up a good point. He literally said, the Jacksonville Jaguars are paying you $10 million a year to basically just eat, sleep, and breathe football, stay at home when you're not at the complex or at the stadium, be with your family, and just chill. And he hasn't done any of that so far. It's clear after week one, he already said that his heart wasn't in, wasn't 100% in it. I mean, my heart wouldn't be in it either if I lost to a 50, <clears throat> a 53-year-old rookie head coach and the worst team in football. I, I, my heart wouldn't be in it either. But then, you know, just the shenanigans that he did with the whole bar situation. Now, to be honest with you, I'll kind of go for Urban Meyer. I'll, I'll, I'll argue for him. I don't really care what you do. And I think it was wrong of the people to expose him like that. I mean, listen. If you cheat on your wife and stuff, you know, to each his own, you know, that's not right. But for other people to record it and then put it on social media and, you know, just be a distraction to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's what I think Shad Khan and the, the brass of the Jaguars are mad about. Because like, dude, come on, like you're off to a terrible start. You're own four team has looked anemic on both sides of the ball. Uh, you're, you're not making good coaching decisions. And this is what you're doing in your spare time. You should be looking at film. That's probably what they said. You should be, if you're getting paid $10 million to coach a team, you should be eat, eating, sleeping, and breathing football. There's, there's no discussion that we could have against that. It has to be those three things. $10 million to coach a football team? Come on. Jesus Christ. Ridiculous. And the fact that they even gave Urban Meyer $10 million to coach the Jaguars is crazy. That just proves that Shad Khan and Tony Khan just love to throw their money around. But... I don't want to get too too far into it because I I want to make a YouTube video slash podcast episode about this going kind of in depth, but I'm still waiting for Urban Meyer to get fired. I say by the bye week he's gone. Uh, just too much of a distraction. But anyway, the Jaguars look terrible. Tennessee is going to run all over them. There, it's not a debate here, people. Definitely not. Then one other thing, moving on to the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans, and I'm not even considering the Houston Texans in this game, no matter how... No matter how blah the Patriots have looked the last couple weeks, dude, the Houston Texans are another level bad with Davis Mills at the start as the starting quarterback. Granted, the Bills have a ferocious defense, and you know the passing their pass defense is amazing. But my God, what did he have? Fifty-one passing yards, four interceptions, a forty-to-nothing blowout. Oh my God, it was terrible, absolutely terrible. And I even started Brandon Cooks, which was a terrible decision on my part, but he's on the bench this week. Can't trust them. Going up against another defensive unit that is good against the pass. It's going to be another rough one for Davis Mills. 
I definitely think it's going to be another rough, rough one for Davis Mills. The only way that Houston had a chance to win a couple football games is with Tyrod Taylor at the helm. And that was abundantly clear after the first game. And that was abundantly clear after the last three games where Davis Mills came in and looked terrible. I mean, he didn't look that bad in the second half against Cleveland in week two. Then, you know, his receivers didn't help him and his offensive line didn't help him week three. So you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. There is no benefit of the doubt after after week four. Even in garbage time, the guy couldn't get yards. He threw a pick in the last minute of garbage time. Down 40 to nothing. No. It's going to be the Bills, and I'm pretty sure there has it has to be 100%. Oh, I'm sorry, not the Bills. That was last week. Whoops. <laughs> it has to be the Patriots, and 92% of Pick'em players agree with me as well. The Patriots will win. Um, then moving on to, this is another matchup, honestly, that I'm not really like that sure about yet. The Las Vegas Raiders and the Chicago Bears. Only because I feel like the Chicago Bears finally saying that Justin Fields is their guy moving forward. It might spark the team a little bit, and it might spark Justin Fields a little bit. It might open up the playbook a little bit more. I feel like the offensive playbook that we've seen from the Chicago Bears so far has been so bad, but that's also because they don't know what they're going to get from Justin Fields yet. But now that he is their guy, I'm... I'm hoping that they expand the playbook a little bit. They let the guy throw the ball downfield. They let him use his legs a little bit more. Uh, I don't think he's thrown a, a touchdown yet this year. I think he's rushed for two, and he's thrown a few picks, but that's not really his fault. It's more play calling than anything. you you got to work with what you got. The Raiders are coming off of a bad loss against division rivals, the Los Angeles Chargers, and Joey Bosa said it, which kind of made me nervous, and I, we've suspected for a long time after that video surfaced of Derek Carr looking like he was crying after he got sacked. Derek Carr, when he's faced, when he gets consistent pressure in his face, dude shuts down. So if Khalil Mack and company could make life a living hell for Derek Carr, I don't see how Chicago loses. But at the same time, their secondary has been so bad this year that I think that if Derek Carr just gets the opportunity, he could throw the ball all over them. So I'm kind of torn. Right now, I do have the Vegas Raiders winning. Uh, 91% of people agree with me, but I might flip-flop on that. Like I said, once again, I will let you know in Tuesday's episode if I flip-flopped, but I don't really know if I will, but it, it's just intriguing to me. It keeps like, pon- I keep pondering it in the back of my head, like, oh, what if Justin Fields just comes out and starts slinging the ball all over the field, then what happens? But I'm going to stay with the Las Vegas Raiders right now. Moving on to the next game, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cleveland Browns, and this is a Matchup between two three and one teams. One three and one team has looked leaps and bounds better than the other. And you could argue that the Cleveland Browns have looked really shaky so far through four games. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on who they beat in week three right now. Was it? Uh, Wow. Yeah, I really can't even think about it right now. Um, Oh, it was it was uh, Chicago. That was a pretty sound victory, but their other vic- against the, the Texans and then last week against the Vikings, super shaky. Baker Mayfield is off to a pretty bad start to the year. Um, their defense has played well, but also the offensive line for the Chicago, for the LA Chargers has been tremendous so far this year. Tremendous. And I fully expect the, the one saving grace for the Cleveland Browns Defense is how good their pass rush has been so far and how good Miles Garrett has been. 
I don't think it's going to be as good this week. The The Chargers have just kept that pocket as clean as you'd like for Justin Herbert so far this year. And he will he picks apart defenses. He is, he's a top 10 quarterback right now. Call me whatever you want. Don't call me late for dinner. But he is a top 10 quarterback right now. I don't think that's disputable at this current time. Through four weeks, name me 10 quarterbacks that have been better than Justin Herbert. And I'll, I'll shut up for the rest of the podcast. But, yeah, I, I think that. And also the Chargers defense has been playing pretty fantastic so far as well. It's such an underrated unit up until this point. So I really think that the Chargers are going are gonna to pose a lot of problems for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Browns haven't looked as strong as I once anticipated that they were going to look, but hopefully they'll pick it up after this week. But I do have the Chargers, and 64% of people agree with me and pick them that the Chargers will win. Moving on to the Cowboys and the Giants, and the Giants are coming off of a surprise victory in overtime against New Orleans Saints. I don't think that does dick for them. Uh, I think that the cow the <laughs> the callous Dow boys. Yep, that's what I'm going to go with for the rest of this for the rest of this pick. The callous Dow boys are should be four and zero right now. Like like I said, they're just one they're just one field goal away from being four four and zero right now. And I, no one can stop them. Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott are on the same wavelength right now. They the offense has looked chef kiss. Ezekiel Elliott is look like he's back to his 2016-2017 self. Tony Pollard is running all over the place as the backup. I mean, the defense is even playing well. Trayvon Diggs has five interceptions through four games. He's played amazing so far. Everything is clicking for the Dallas Cowboys. The Callis Dow Boys, excuse me. I think that the Callis Dow Boys win. They beat the Giants pretty soundly. Three and um 95%. Of Pickham players agree with me that the Callus Dow Boys will win against the New or- <laughs> the New Orleans Giants. I'm so messed up today. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So just to clarify, the Callus Dow Boys will beat the New Orleans Giants <laughs> this week. <laughs> what the hell. Moving on to the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. My God, I was going to say the San Francisco Giants. Oh, God, that's what happens when you come home after you drink an elderberry tea with ashwagandha in it. You just get all you just get all messed up. Jeez, that's what I, did. I was going to come home last night. Let me just let me just cut this out for a minute before we get into the, the Cardinals and the 49ers. I was going to come home last night because I thought that the I bought some tea at this butcher store, whatever. And it was, it's elderberry tea. And I like elderberry tea. It tastes good. It's a nice little spice to it. And I didn't realize it had ashwagandha in it. And if, if you guys don't know what ashwagandha is, there was a thing that was surfacing around TikTok like three months ago that like ashwagandha like, like makes your like pee pee harder or something like that. I don't know if that's true. I don't even know if that's what it was. I do remember it was something to do with the phallus. Uh, that's all I know. But I opened up the tea packet and I was like, oh my God. I was like, I had no idea it had this in it. And it was delicious. Like it was a great tea, but it put me like right to sleep. Like I thought it was going to give me energy. I thought I was going to be able to blow through this podcast at like one o'clock in the morning. Nah, I got home. I ate some, some pretzels with almond butter in the middle of it. And I went to bed and I was like, well, that tea kind of put me to sleep. But 
Anyway, I just had to bring up the ashwagandha because it's just a hilarious name and what people think it does is hilarious as well. So <laughs> getting back to the Cardinals and the 49ers, uh, I, I have the Cardinals winning because I, I don't know if Jimmy G is going to play, but if Trey Lance plays, I expect the Arizona Cardinals to let loose J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones on him. You know, the one thing that you want to do with a rookie quarterback is make them uncomfortable. And Trey Lance has actually looked very good so far. In while he's played, he's looked great. Throwing the ball, running the ball, he's looked like a legit number one quarterback. So this is his chance if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play. If Jimmy G doesn't play, I fully believe that the Arizona Cardinals will win. But if Trey Lance plays, I think that there is that whole uh, narrative, like I said, with the Chicago Bears, that maybe they'll just open up the playbook. Because let's face it, Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo are com two completely different quarterbacks. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty much just a pocket passer. He's pretty much anchored to the ground. And his arm is okay. He's he's accurate, but is, is, he's not known really for his, for his arm strength. Where Trey Lance could zip the football in there. He could... He could throw the ball on the run. He, he, you know, he could roll out. He could run downfield. Two completely different players. And one fits Kyle Shanahan's offense perfectly. And then there's Jimmy Garoppolo. But I'm not going to give the San Francisco 49ers any – Kyler Murray is playing MVP-level football. DeAndre, when DeAndre, this is what makes of a good team, and I'll tell you that. When your superstars aren't playing well, other people step up. So look at Byron Murphy, for example. Like the rest of the the rest of the secondary isn't playing well, so then second year cornerback Byron Murphy is stepping up and he's playing well. Right, he he won the I think he won the NFC Defensive Player of the Week last week. He's stepping up, and then what? And then you look at the offensive side of the ball when DeAndre Hopkins hasn't played well the last couple weeks. Then you see AJ Green step up. I mean, like ninety year old AJ Green has put in back to back hundred yard performances, and he's looked really good so far. I think he's right behind DeAndre Hopkins for the lead in the re leading receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. I, I always thought that that was kind of an underrated signing. I thought that maybe if he puts in like fifty catches for like six hundred and fifty yards and like like five scores, that would be an absolute win. But he's on pace to go well over a thousand yards and to have probably around like seven or eight touchdowns and probably around 70 catches. So that would be an amazing, amazing addition to DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk. So that's what I'm saying. That's the makings of a good football team when other people step up when your superstars do not. And that's what I see with the Arizona Cardinals. Everyone is stepping up at the right time. So there's no reason to go against the Cardinals when they're playing the the hottest football than anyone else in the NFL is playing. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. 89% of people agree with me as well. And then we're moving into Sunday night football here with the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to level with you. 48% of people are picking the Buffalo Bills, and I don't see why that's not higher. I am, without a shadow of a doubt, when I got up to this game, I picked the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are the best team in football right now. Yeah, I know that they're 3-1 and and the Cardinals are 4-0. The Buffalo Bills are the best team. They are playing. They are running the football well. Josh Allen is passing the ball all over every single play, all over every single team he's played. They are playing lights out defense. And I know that a lot of this is coming from a game against the Texans. But 
you look look at what they did to the Washington football team the week before. They decimated that de- defense's top 10 unit, decimated them, scored 43 points against them. They are playing hot. And, and a KC defense that has looked really bad so far this year, and I know that their offense scored 42 points, but if you could just contain Tyreek Hill to like 100 yards and one touchdown, you have a pretty decent shot at beating the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the league is finally kind of figuring out, slowly but surely as the weeks go by, different weaknesses in the Kansas City Chiefs that they're going to have to correct if they want to make it back to the Super Bowl. Because they might eke out a win against Buffalo, but but I assure you, if if this is a close football game, if it's like a like a 30, 31 to 28 game and KC wins on like a field goal in overtime or something like that, if they beat the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs, the Buffalo Bills will beat the brakes off the Kansas City Chiefs. I firmly believe that. I mean, their pass rush has been good. Carlos Basham Jr., Gregory Russo, AJ Epinenza. I mean, it's been great so far. Miles better than it was last year. And I firmly believe that the Buffalo Bills have a legitimate chance of beating the Kansas City Chiefs this week, and I'm going to go with them. And This should even out a little bit more. I know it's pretty even, 52 to 48, but I, I'm going to go with the, the 48%, and I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills come out with a victory, a very impressive victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. And then Monday Night Football is a pretty interesting matchup between the 1-3 and three Colts and the 3-1 and one Baltimore Ravens. And this is another one that I was like, I, I don't understand this ratio. 96% of people are picking the, the Baltimore Ravens. And I think that a lot of people that play pick them just kind of go off the record. Because the Indianapolis Colts, like I said, have been dealt a shitty hand so far throughout four games. You know, they've played four tough opponents. And, you know, they're 1-3. Okay. Yeah, granted, they they... If they're a good team, they could have been better. You know, their record could have been better is what I'm saying. But I don't like the 96%. Sorry, I had to pause for a second. I had to plug my laptop in. I don't like the 96% going for the Ravens. I think that that's like way too high. I think it should be a little bit more even. I think like 70 to 30 would be a good ratio because just completely shutting out the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I don't know. I don't like when a ratio is that big, unless it's a really bad team like the like the Texans or the Jaguars. I don't really like shutting out teams like that. Uh, but I am going to go with the majority. I think that the Baltimore Ravens have hit their stride. They're playing very good. I mean, after a week one, I don't want to say a fluke loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, a, a week one loss to the Raiders. They have played some really good football. Hopefully, they get Rashad Bateman back soon, so Lamar Jackson could have another passing. Passing game attack. Oh, God, I'm getting so many things wrong today. A passing attack weapon. Wow. It's been a rough one today, gents. Let me tell you. But I am going to go with the Ravens, and I'm hoping to go 16-0. I think that this is the week that I could possibly go 16-0. There's a couple upsets in there that I really like. I'm pretty confident about every single game except for maybe like two. And I think it's going to be good. So let me, let me guys. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ, I'm ending this podcast before I, I my head blows up. Let me know what you guys think. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty light. It was, you know, a lot of humor, a lot of mistakes. Gotta love it. You enjoy it, and you have a great weekend, and watch some football, please. Have a good time watching football. I will see you on Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend.